This is your Tuesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. A lot to get to today. It's a busy time of year. Um, what with the Wolves in the playoffs, Game 2 at Memphis is tonight. Uh, 7.30 start, I believe, tonight before that series shifts back to Target Center on Thursday. Wolves, of course, up 1-0 in that series. We'll get to that a lot more here in a little bit, both uh, some observations of my own and with Lavelle E. Neal III, Star Tribune columnist, who checks in with some thoughts on Wolves, Wild, Twins, and Celebrate Gate. Yeah, Lavelle got in some trouble with some folks on Twitter um, last week for saying uh, the Wolves and fans were celebrating too much uh, that uh, that Clippers win. So I got to talk to Lavelle a little bit about that. He's a he's a good sport. He has rebounded nicely from uh, from all that. Some Twins starting pitching thoughts. Um, Lavelle talked about it a little bit, but I'll get you, get a little bit more depth on that. Got to touch on the Loons. Minnesota United. I missed that over the weekend. I saw it, but I didn't touch on it with Patrick Royce on Monday's show, so I want to get to that. Big recruit coming to the Gophers men's basketball team, Dawson Garcia. I'll have uh, a little bit on that later. And Marcus Fuller, Gophers men's basketball beat writer, will join me on Wednesday's show to talk about that even more. And an interesting uh, college hockey story that kind of came out of nowhere with uh, a prominent player in this state. So we'll get to that as well. But first, what did I miss? Got to talk about the Wolves. Anthony Edwards, just kind of, they're becoming the darlings a little bit of the NBA. I think they, they turned some heads all season, but in particular with that 130-117 to win over Memphis in Game 1 on Saturday. Anthony Edwards, of course, their 20-year-old second-year player, had 36 points in his playoff debut, putting himself in some pretty good company in terms of age and playoff debuts and things of that nature he was on uh he was on espn's nba today um you know just another one of his excellent fun media appearances people just like gravitate towards him they just have a smile on their face when they are talking to him talking about him um and what but one clip that i, that I want to play quick uh, is particularly uh, salient to other things i want to talk about on this show so let's play that quick all right, before we let you go, Anthony, Perk, he picked his Grizzlies to win this series in five games. Do you have any message for Big Perk that we can pass along? Um, carry on. Carry on. <laughs> there we go. There I love we go. it. No. So the Wolves are probably using, you know, that was a funny clip. The Wolves are probably using this as motivation, right? Other people have picked against them. And, you know, what's interesting is Kendrick Perkins was not alone. Um, ESPN panelists uh, before the playoffs started, there were 21 different experts that picked every series. And when it came to Memphis against the Wolves, I thought it was a very interesting breakdown. 21 picks, 21 picks for Memphis, zero picks for the Wolves. Now, I picked the same thing. I thought, I think Memphis is, I thought Memphis was going to win this series at the beginning of this, of, of before it all started. My opinion is shifting. I think it's now a toss-up. I think it's basically a coin flip. Once you win game one on the road, the statistics bear that out. I think all-time in NBA history, when the away team wins game one in a seven-game series, at least since they shifted to the, you know, two at home, two away, you know, home away, home at the end, um, since in 1984, it's about a 500 split. 53 times the uh, the underdog, the lower seed, has won 
that series while 54 te- 54 times the uh, the the uh, the home seed the uh, the higher seed has won so it's basically a coin flip at this point after you win game 1 but before the series started i thought you know it's a possibility that the wolves will be in this thing and then you know if it goes deep in this series who knows but i did think memphis was going to win and so that was you know you looked at that and you're like well, nobody went on a limb for the Wolves, but, you know, that would be a pretty big limb because Memphis won 10 more games than the Wolves did this year. They were the two seed compared to the seven seed. Um, you know, they had home court, things like that. What was also interesting about it, though, is that every single person picking picked this to go at least five games, and the majority picked it to go six games. I think 12 out of the 21 picked it to go six games. A couple people picked seven games, and the rest picked a five-game series like Kendrick Perkins. So... That's interesting to me just because I think a lot of people had a perception of this series that it would be competitive to a certain degree, that the Wolves might just kind of be not exactly happy to be there, but that they were going to, you know, get a game or two, but that was it, that Memphis was just going to be too tough, that that was going to be the way the series played out. And that could still be the way this series plays out, right? I mean, I'm going to talk to Lavelle about this a little bit more in a bit, what he thinks of this series going forward, but... You know, I I think my perception of it changed quite a bit just with that one game, not just because the Wolves won the game, but because of the way they won the game. You know, with Carl Anthony Towns playing as well as he did, with Anthony Edwards playing as well as he did, with Memphis not being able to attack the offensive glass, not be able to exploit certain other weaknesses. It's just like we thought going in. It's a pretty good matchup for the Wolves. Now you look at it and say, can Minnesota win three of the next six games? Um, when three of them are going to be at, at Target Center, a core could be at Target Center if it goes a full, if the, if the series goes full. Yeah, I think they could. I, I mean, the season series was 2-2 in the regular season. Why can't they go 3-3 three and three in these next six? So that has changed a lot in, in this time. Now, I still don't think the Wolves are favored in this series, but I think it's more of a coin flip now. And guys, the the odds obviously get a lot better if the Wolves can expand their lead. I think uh, the lower seeds are 21 and four in series if they take both games one and game two on the road. While you know if if Memphis gets this one, all of a sudden the upper hand, even if the Wolves have the home court, the upper hand shifts back to the higher seed historically. So a lot at stake in this game tonight, and we will see what happens. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24/7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Now, before I bring Lavelle in, a um, pretty good home ice battle brewing in the NHL between the Wild and the Blues. And the Wild will be without Marcus Foligno for a few games. Positive COVID test. Um, they got a, an easier slate of games this week. I believe they got Montreal, Vancouver, and Seattle. Um, none of those teams really among the NHL's elite, to say the least. But missing, you know, Marcus Foligno, Jordan Greenway's been out, Matt Dumba's been out. That's a lot of your core players to be out, even against, you know, competition that's maybe not as fierce as it has been. So let's see if the Wild can take advantage of that uh, that schedule this week while missing some of their key players because, you know, they're right now they're trying to fend off St. Louis. St. Louis is making a huge charge to get that number two spot. Um, in the division and get home ice in that first round playoff series a virtual certainty that the wild and the blues will play each other in that first round based on looking at you know who's above them who's below them but you know home ice in a in a very highly contested series could end up being the difference so watch for the wild this week can they still bank some points without some of their best players including Marcus Foligno 
Happy to have Lavelle E. Neal III back on Daily Delivery, Star Tribune columnist. Wanted to check in with him on a number of subjects. Lavelle, I guess right off the jump, I got to ask you, have you recovered from Celebrate Gate? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm wiped out, man. Uh, you know, uh, when I got my column done on Friday, I started celebrating. In fact, it was done. I ran down the stairs, ran in around the living room, jumped up on, uh, up on the coffee table and broke the coffee table. So uh, and then I took off my shirt and threw it across the living room and uh, had to calm myself down. So it's all over. Wolves fans got you <laughs> got on you pretty good for for getting on the, the Wolves for the celebration after the uh, the play in game. And I saw, but I saw you have a sense of humor about it. You tweeted um on was this must have been sunday night wild clinch a playoff berth woohoo celebrate exclamation point exclamation point exclamation point so you're you're playing into it now i am you know i, I may you may i may it may be fair to accuse me of being a troll i guess at this point but i just love it how fans can sit there and rip on players rip on coaches rip on front offices rip on media but then when you criticize them for one thing they go apoplectic and just can't handle what they've been dishing out so uh, I could care less if they're upset at me, to be honest with you. I'm actually reveling in how they are overreacting to my reaction. <laughs> overreacting to the reaction to the reaction. Well, well there's a lot of been, right. rea- been a lot of reactions lately. Um, you know, perhaps a little bit of the Wolves joy Tuesday night. Now, you know, about a week ago um, when they beat the Clippers was the fact that it meant not just that they were in the playoffs, but that they got to play Memphis instead of potentially have to play Phoenix or being out. And I think we saw Lavelle in game one why that is we've talked a lot about how that seemed to be a pretty favorable matchup and then they go out and win that first game by 13 to take a, a 1-0 series lead going into this game two on a Tuesday night in Memphis you know the thing about it was is that the, the Wolves led the league in scoring right right about 150 points a game and Minnesota pretty much played its game they enforced their will on that game Memphis wasn't able to play at the pace it normally likes to play at and that's got to be troubling for them to play at home and have someone come into their house and dictate the tempo. And I think the Wolves successfully did that uh, for four quarters in game one. Um, you know, Towns rebounded after uh, the play-in game in which he you know, uh, had foul trouble and didn't score much. Uh, Anthony Edwards continues to just take his game to not, uh, other levels that uh, we're not used to seeing from such a young kid. And they get the right contributions at the right times from – from from D Lo and 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 from uh, Malik Beasley and Patrick Beverly and it's really cool to see how this team is operating. You know, Jay McDaniel's fifteen points off the bench, uh, plus nineteen on a plus minus. I mean, that's just huge. You know, so um, they're getting uh, they're they're getting contributions, man, from uh, just like they did during the regular season. So Memphis has got to go back to drawing board here and see uh, what they were unable to do against Minnesota. Uh, before game two starts. Now you, by part of the reason you probably didn't want to see this team celebrate too soon is I, I would imagine you still remember game 163 from 2009, where the twins win that game. They pop all the champagne. They're going crazy and they go out and get smoked by the Yankees. What, what do you offer in the area of um, cautionary tales for, uh, you know, for, for prematurely thinking you are in control of, a season or, uh, or getting too high when you're, when you shouldn't be too high. Yeah. That game 163 was something else because it was when to go home. I mean, even the playing game that the Wolves have lost that playing game, they still had another chance to backdoor their way into the postseason. Um, game 163 between the Tigers and the twins were, was uh, more of uh, you know, loser has to leave town type feeling to it. So I think that led to their celebration, but 
Yeah, I mean, by the time the, the, the Twins exhaled from celebrating, the series was over against the Yankees. You know, they had to start Brian Dunsing in game one at Yankee Stadium. And we all saw how that turned out, you know. So I don't think we're, we're, we're looking at something like that with the Wolves where they got to worry about uh, um, having a letdown in, in game two. I think this team feeds off of the positivity and, uh, and the team mentality that they uh, have right now. So um, I don't expect the I expect a, uh, maybe a closer game, you know, maybe a more physical game. But I don't expect the Wolves to get blown out of the court here. I just – you know, I picked this, the Grizzlies in six before the series start, and I can always see multiple reasons why that prediction could be fault, could be wrong. Um, just uh, watching uh, game one and how Towns played, and how Edwards played, and how the Grizzlies didn't really make adjustments. That's a good point. I mean, I felt like going in that this was going to be a series. I feel now like the Wolves can legitimately win. Not that they should win, but I feel like it's more of a coin flip at this point than it was even just before Saturday's game. Yeah, you know, because I the reason I said Grizzlies in six, I was like, well, I have to go back to Memphis for Game Seven. That's going to be a tough measure there. So uh, that's why I called uh, Memphis in six in the, in the first part. Um, I just thought they were a better team, you know. But uh, you know, we can't uh, can't underestimate the fact that the Wolves keep getting better as a team. That uh, the the way Chris Finch has them being held accountable for everything, how they can have tough conversation with. Which, tough conversations with each other mid game and and still come out better for it. Uh, It just shows continuous growth and uh, he lets guys be themselves. He encourages them to score, uh, but just don't, you know, step out too far outside the lines. Uh, The ones you get to watch out with the wolves is uh, them getting too emotionally wound up where they're arguing with officials about calls or, or Beverly getting into it with Dylan Brooks. Uh, I'm waiting for that to erupt at some time during the series, Uh, but you know, they have been known as one of the more complaining teams in the NBA. And they got to watch out for that part of their uh, play to creep in and sabotage uh, their chances to get out, of this, get out of the series. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, you know, speaking of accountability, shifting to the wild, you know, in the game that they clinched a playoff berth on Sunday, they beat San Jose, but they weren't happy about it, really. I mean, they won 5-4 in overtime, but it sounds like, the you know, the hartman Zuccarello. Kaprizov line, it you know was pretty bad in in that game, and you know knowing knowing that they have to be better, especially down the stretch here in the playoffs, probably a good sign that they you know right away, even if they even even a team that wins and clinches a playoff berth in the process knows it's going to have to be better if it has you know aspirations of making a deep playoff run, which this team has the makings of, but it also has the makings of a team that if they get off their game could get bounced very easily in the first round by St. Louis. Well, I'm, I'm trying to figure out um, the last couple of games of Wild to play. They've given up a boatload of goals here. And is that because of injuries like Dumba and Greenway? Or uh, or is there something deeper than that? Um, I, I I like the moves that uh, Bill Guerin made before the trade deadline. And I think he tried to address whatever warts this team had. Um, and the, but the one thing I like from the Wild is the fact that they get up, they get off the mat, you know, when they fall behind, you know, three or four goals, you know, they, they claw their way back. That's a good trait to have, especially when you're heading into the postseason. You just don't want to get caught trying to do it too many times where it can come back to bite you. So um, I, I, I think they need, I think they need to get healthy. I think they need to get Dumba back, you know, to help that defense in front of the goaltenders and, um, and maybe, you know, cut down on the, 
the uh, goal scoring that the the opponents have had success with against them with in the last few games. I uh, I um, yeah, I watched it, their comeback. I watched them rally back twice in each of the last two games. One they lost in overtime. The other one they won. Uh, Fiala's on a howler right now. He's closing in on thirty goals. You know, um, I'm actually you know working on the column uh, for Wednesday about who should they keep, Dumbo or Fiala. So um, Fiala's making a strong case for it, it to be him. I would argue, even though he does have some flaws in his game as well. So, um, I, it's it, this team is infatuated. I'm infatuated with this team just because of the talent they have. Uh, Kaprizov's going to score probably 45 goals this year. Uh, Hartman's getting all kinds of assists. I mean, it, it's been a, just a fantastic season, and I hope they can make a, a deep playoff run. It'll be fun if both the Wolves in the Wild, you know, can um, have a little bit of a postseason run because then you'll have fun in this town pretty much every every night because either one. One will be playing one night. The other will be playing the next night. It'll just be uh, a lot of fun for, for local fans to, uh, to absorb. I talked about that with Royce on Monday show. It's only the third time ever that both those teams have made the playoffs in the same year. And they haven't won a, well, they haven't won a playoff series ever in the same year. So this, you know, these teams, I would say they're, I wouldn't say the Wolves certainly aren't favored yet, even though they won game one and the wild will have a tough matchup in its series, but you know, by and large, you know, like you said, I think both of these teams are as fun at the same time as I can remember them being. Well, I just remember um, the year that the Wild made the postseason run where Brunette had that huge goal against the Avalanche. Yes. And, the, and the, it was the same year that the Wolves reached the Western Conference Finals, I want to say. No, it was the, it was the year of the, the, the year the Wild made it in 2003 was the, year be, was the year before the Wolves made their run. There was a postseason where they were pretty much playing every other night. That, like was, the, the that was the same one. The, the Wolves were playing the Lakers yeah. in the first round that year, and they yes. were kind of going back and forth, back and forth. And the Wolves actually took a 2-1 series lead against the Lakers that year but could not finish that one off. They ended up losing that series. But that was about as close as we got to the actual like dueling teams doing well. Yeah, that's the year because I was on the road with the Twins, and they were in Chicago, and I'm watching like these playoff series. One night I'm in the <laughs> – hotel lobby bar watching the wild play the next time watching the wolves play going man it must be fun back back home right now because uh people got something to talk about every day and 19 years later we're doing it again it's all, all it took was 19 years later because the, the last time they did it in 2018 they both got bounced pretty quickly in the well, in I, those in those series i looked it up since the wild started in 2000 there's never been a calendar year where the wild wolves twins and vikings have played a play a playoff game yeah, not two, been a, yeah. 2003 was as close as we uh, was as close yeah. as we could get because the twins made the playoffs that year too and it's a easy it's easy to look up because all you have to do is follow the three times the wolves have been in the postseason <laughs> that <laughs> is not forgot. true they've been in there more than that is a cheap shot and <laughs> since you know 2000 it. since 2000 since two, yeah it's a cheap shot still you know that um <laughs> hey let's let's talk twins before we get out of here quick they they beat boston eight to three um, 10 a.m. Central Time start. I don't know. I bet they've never played a 10 a.m. game before, but obviously the Boston Marathon, the whole scene in uh, in Boston on Monday, which is pretty cool. Um, and this, what's more surprising to you? I know they had eight runs today. They've had a couple games with eight, another game with 10, but the other games, I think they've scored like 11 runs combined in their other seven games. What's more surprising to you? How slow the offense has been to get going or how you know relatively good the starting pitching has been? Uh, probably to start in pitching. Um, Dylan Bunny's given a one run, I believe, in 92 thirds innings as a twin so far. Yeah, I'm not ready to, like I said, I'm not ready to uh, uh, announce that Bundy is going to be like one of the great free agent acquisitions ever because I still remember Martin Perez was great for just a half year. 
I remember City Ponson was good for like a month. And Russell Ortiz was 3-0 one year after signing with the Twins. So I can know how that could come to a crashing halt. But Bunny looks like he knows what he's doing. He doesn't have the high-octane stuff he used to. But he has, he's accurate. He, and he, if it's off the plate, he means that pitch to be off the plate. He wants the guy to chase it. you know. And when it's on the corner, he wants it on the corner. So he's able to execute right now. And he's being really effective. Um, I'm encouraged by Chris Archer. I like the fact that he's hitting 94 in the gun and he has a good slider. So there's definitely stuff to work with there. I'm kind of surprised that he was still on a, available as a free agent uh, when the Twins did sign, because that was after training camp opened, I believe, uh, that they announced the Archer signing. Um, I hope Sonny Gray uh, recovers from his hamstring quickly and get, gets paid. That's another guy with a lot of experience, a lot of know-how, uh, how to, to navigate a, a, a bat in order. And then after that, you know, it's about watching Ober and Ryan continue to, you know, learn and develop. And Joe Ryan is, he's pitching like he's a six-year veteran now. You know, the way he's kind of easing his way up and down bat notice. It's, I, I've been, I have been mildly surprised about how the start in pitching has been effective. Um, I wish they had one more big arm in the bullpen. I, I, I am advocating for Joan Duran, Joan Duran to be the closer. I know in Rocco's world, that means something different with him. He just wants to have his best reliever ready to face the heart of the order, whether it's the seventh, eighth, or ninth inning, and then try to cobble things together. But having Griffin Jacks try to pitch the last two innings in Family Park to me is something that's not always going to work out in the, the Twins' favor. So I would like to see Duran be around for the ninth inning here a little more often. But uh, so far, I think it's been the pitching more so than the offense because I've seen this offense get off to a slow start before. We know they're going to strike out a lot. Now, that's been their motive for the last four or five years. Uh, it's going to be a maritime, but they start hitting. And then when Buxton gets back in the uh, lineup too, that'll be a little bit of a joke to, to the, to the uh, offense as well. You should press, uh, you should make a recording of yourself saying when Buxton gets back in the lineup, because we've had to say that a lot over the years, haven't we? I know we have, I, you know what, I'm just glad it wasn't something serious because, uh, you know, all the Twitter MD uh, doctors were screaming the season's over the twins blew a hundred million dollars he couldn't even last a month uh this is horrible and then we find out that you know he just got some knee inflammation so they dodged a bullet there and he should be in the lineup maybe sometime during the kansas city series here coming up also miguel sonoma has just two hits uh so far this year um he loves hitting in kansas city more than any other park in the league so i expect to see a big series with snow and that would that will slingshot him into the white Sox series at home this weekend there you go. I like it, Lavelle. You got any uh, final predictions for Tuesday night's Wolves game at Memphis? Uh, I got to imagine this. I can't see Memphis losing two back-to-back playoff games at home. I think they're going to make some, a couple of adjustments and figure out a way to uh, slow the Wolves down. I don't know if they can totally scheme at Carnathy Towns, but it seems like Towns is going to present some matchup problems with them just with their with their personnel because I think he, he doesn't mind scoring on, on JJJ and he doesn't mind scoring on um, Baines and I think that's going to be a problem for Memphis. And if Anthony Edwards continues to have, you know, strong games, that uh, it's going to be tough. But I, I just I see the Grizzlies figuring out a way to win game two, and then the Wolves come home one and one. You know what? Mission accomplished if that's the case. So yeah, agree with that. Looking forward to it. Should be a fun week. Good stuff. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, Lavelle. Okay. Thanks a lot, Mike. Now I was surprised at first that Lavelle picked. Uh, the, the starting pitching is a bigger surprise than the, than the struggling offense. But then I looked at the numbers. The Twins, through their 10 games this season, their starters ERA is 2.96. That is fifth 
in Major League Baseball, second in the American League behind just the Chicago White Sox. A shame that they have not been able to take advantage of it to a greater extent because the offense has been sluggish in a lot of these games and the bullpen has failed to hold you know, a couple of leads, uh, the, the one in particular early in the season when Byron Buxton hit that go-ahead home run, but Tyler Duffy could not hold the lead in the ninth inning. But the starting pitching, by and large, led you know led by a lot of different guys, but Dylan Bundy had another very good start. He's 2-0 and for them. Very good start against Boston in that win on Monday, that early win, 10 a.m. start. I, that's, that's, it's just, you know, I don't recall ever seeing a Twins game start that early, start when the breakfast menu is still up, but... You know, you take him however you can get him. But I was surprised by that. I, you know, as bad as the offense has been for most of the season, the starting pitching, which we thought was going to be a major deficiency for this team, and it's only 10 games. That's one sixteenth of the season. Basically, if this was the NHL or the NFL, I mean, uh, you know, you'd barely be into your year. But, you know, that's that said, it's, it's been a pleasant surprise so far. And uh, let's see, you know, at the end of this month or even into middle of May, if that still holds true. Now, like I said at the jump, we got to mention Minnesota United. Patrick Royce and I did not talk about Minnesota United on Monday's show, but, you know, the offense, just like the Twins offense, been struggling at the start of the year. Their first six matches this season, they had scored just five goals combined. Um, they had managed to get out with some results because of some good defense. They started the year with two wins and two draws, a couple 1-0 wins, a couple 1-1 draws, but the lack of offense had come back to hurt them in a couple recent losses to Seattle and Austin, but then on Saturday got three goals against Colorado, including two of them late, to really kind of start feeling good about themselves a little bit more again. Got the offense going. You know, you, we knew it was going to happen at some point, but um, you, know, you can't take it for granted. So that is a good sign for them as they kind of enter a, a busier stretch of, of games here. They got a U.S. Open Cup match against Madison on on Wednesday, and then a league match, a Major League Soccer a match against Chicago on Saturday. So we will see if they can continue uh, to build off of that three-goal game against Colorado in those settings. A couple more things to get to before we get out of here. Dawson Garcia, like I mentioned at the jump, a very talented player for the Gophers. Um, McDonald's All-American committing to the Gophers, rebounding from <clears throat> you know two previous stints. Started his college career at Marquette. Went to North Carolina, so he's played for two, you know, pretty premium programs in the first two years of his college career. Now trying to uh, trying to play for the Gophers announced that he is going to go there on Monday. A huge get for Ben Johnson. Now because this is his second transfer, he does not have that free transfer anymore. He will have to apply for a hardship waiver in order to be eligible immediately. Although there appear to be some extenuating circumstances, Garcia left. North Carolina during the middle of last season to help out with his family, which was you know, very impacted by COVID. Um, you know, his dad, his grandma. Um, there's, there's been a lot of things going on in his life that could, you know, that could impact the uh, the decision on whether or not to grant him immediate eligibility. Those things obviously bigger than basketball, but on the basketball court, you know, definitely a very skilled player. You know, tall, good rebounder. He's you know six foot eleven, formerly of Prior Lake. You know, could really help the Gophers make a leap next year. I mean, they already have Jamison Battle coming back, Parker Fox, who was supposed to be a you know pretty highly thought of incoming player who was injured last season. Um, he should be back at full strength. 
They've got some good incoming you know, high school recruits, seven Minnesota natives on the roster uh, coming in. Uh, Marcus Fuller did talk to Dar- Dawson Garcia on uh, on Monday. He said, it's the coolest thing. It's like the coolest thing ever. Ben's done an unbelievable job to establish a culture in one year. I can only imagine what he's going to do in year two and beyond. I'm excited to put on the uniform, but also when the time comes to be a proud alum and say I was part of the process of getting Minnesota basketball back. Now, all of that remains to be seen. What they can accomplish remains to be seen, but that is a huge get for Ben Johnson, like I said, and Marcus Fuller and I will have a lot more on that on Wednesday's show, so I'm excited to talk to Marcus more about the significance of this on the program and what there still could be to come this offseason. Let's finish with the cooler. Interesting story coming out of Minnesota State Mankato. Dryden McKay, their excellent goalie. Hobie Baker winning goalie. Suspended six months, a doping suspension. Sounds like it was a you know an innocent mistake, more or less. There was a substance in a supplement that was you know inadvertently taken, tainted. It was not on the label. Players still held accountable for what goes into their body, though. So he's been given this suspension. It was detected um, at the Olympics, ironically, because he was you know an alternate on the team. He was subject to testing that was in Rachel Blount's excellent story on starttribune.com so maybe none of this happens if if there isn't this whole Olympic thing does not sound like it was intentional of course we never know the full story but this seems like a case where it was a honest mistake but just kind of the ripple effect does not seem like he got much competitive benefit from it at all but still gets a six-month suspension and of course you know Hobie Baker award winner Minnesota State beat the Gophers 5-1 in the uh, in the Frozen Four semifinals with Dryden McKay playing a pretty big role in that. So he was able to stay eligible for the rest of this season and now is serving a six-month suspension before he can start any sort of pro career. So just a tough story coming out of Minnesota State Mankato. Hopefully he can put that behind him at a certain point and move forward. That will do it for today. Like I said, Marcus Fuller will be on the show on Wednesday to talk more Gophers men's basketball. Thursday, excited, Trey Lance, NFL quarterback, formerly North Dakota State, formerly of Marshall, Minnesota. He will be on the podcast to talk about uh, a lot of money he just raised for a charity in southwest Minnesota, about the draft, about NFL life, things like that. So that will be on Thursday's show. And, of course, tomorrow we will have tons of talk about the Wolves coming off of Game 2 tonight in Memphis. Thank you so much for joining me on Daily Delivery today. I'm Michael Rand. We'll catch you again on Wednesday.